To be young, gifted, black, and different in the world today can have its challenges. Lee is a super fly girl who happens to have autism, and she has the best big brother, Bean, for the job to help her navigate the world. Come along for the ride as Bean and Lee face the many obstacles that a lot of children with autism face daily. This is my Black Book Journal. What's up, everybody? Welcome to my Black Book Journal, powered by Act Justly Love Mercy. I am your host, Danny Brister, and it is a privilege to be with you all again. Look, I'm really excited. We're going to jump into today's interview with author Mary Brown Huffman. The quote that you heard came from her children's book called The Adventure of Being and Lee. Um, she also has another book out in the series of Adventures of Ben and Lee um, that focus on uh, the picky prickly eater. Really excited for y'all to hear this episode. Quick note before we jump into it. The audio on this one, y'all, I, we recorded, I switched over what, I, my, what I'm recording on for audio. It was kind of choppy. I apologize. I wanted y'all to, I still wanted to put it out there so you all could hear it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and drop part two of this within the next couple of days. So there is a part two of this conversation that I had, and I really want y'all to hear that interview. So y'all, like I said, we're going to go ahead and jump into it. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. I love hearing from you all. So please, please, please uh, let me know what you think of the show. Also, it makes it easier for people to find the show on places like iTunes. So thank y'all so much for the listens. If you have any questions, holler at me on Facebook at My Black Book Journal. All right, here we go. In a second, all right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the books in a moment. But first, I want you all to meet Mary Brown Huffman, um, and just to hear a little bit about her story um, and what even wanted to what made her write these books, Mary. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. Well, hey, Blake. Um, I'm Mary Lynn Brown Huffman, and um, I am the mother of three children, and I'm the mother of an amazing daughter who happens to have Asperger's. I'm prior to writing my books, I worked for the Department of Mental Health for 10 years, a coordinator doing tests for individuals and children who had an intellectual disability. So um, when I was on the other end of the table, my objective and my goal changed because I then became the client. I'm a wife, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a black woman moving through a society and teaching her little black boy and her two little black girls about joy and appreciate who they are. And I want to use these books to help my daughter who happens to have Asperger's appreciate who she is, who God made her to be. So it's just, I'm just a fool. Just, who happens just to a mom. Wonderful book, right. <laughs> just a mom. Uh, yeah. So, so if y'all listen to season one in my, in my conversation with Randy Pink, y'all know that a, that a black mother is never just a mom. Whatever, whatever that means, right? Just a mom. It, um, I, I shared in, in that episode, Mary, um, that 
that I believe that so much that the vast majority of what is good about this nation was born on the shoulders of black women. Um, and we talked a little bit about Man. that in season one. Man. <laughs> so, Man. so we y'all go back to listen to that 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 episode if y'all want to find out more about that. But Mary, um, thank you for sharing a little bit. So, so you've already introduced us a little bit to your inspiration of being a mother, and then having a daughter that was diagnosed with Asperger's, um, which is on the which is on the autism spectrum, correct? Mm-hmm. It is on the autism spectrum. It's okay. one of the many forms of autism. Autism is so. It's so broad. You can't put it in a box. But Asperger's is just one of many, one of many um, different diagnoses that a child can receive on the autism spectrum. Hmm. Okay. So, so, so that's who you are. You shared a little bit about you uh, of going from being the the provider um, to the right. person that is on the other side of the table, kind of in need of services. Tell us a little bit about why you wanted to write these these children books. Well, uh, when Olivia was diagnosed with Asperger's at the age of two years old, uh, my husband and I made a decision that we were going to try to provide her with the best that was out right? And as a person, as you say, I was a provider. And my job would go out and help families find services for their family. Well, when it came to my daughter, I could not find a service to help my own child. Mm. And what I realized was that in the black community, it wasn't the service were out there. Mm. No one told us about it. Um, We realize now with the studies that a lot of our children, they get diagnosed in third grade. So that makes them around what, eight or nine years old? Yeah. So we've lost all those formative years, right? So when Olivia was diagnosed and my husband, I made this decision. And I start, I became almost obsessed with trying to find the perfect service for Olivia. Trying to put her with people who look like her, understand her, and teach her how she learned. And it was nothing I did. Um, anything that dealt with African-American children always looked at behavior. It was never um, looking at, um, and it didn't look at behavior in a way um, of how we can correct behavior. It was almost criminal. Hmm. So I decided to put these books because I wanted children, African-American children, children of color, when they read about somebody, it's not all it's being in a bad thing. It's joyful. It's not a death thing. It's just, it's just a different guy painting her with a different paper. So that's why I wrote my book because I wanted children of color to be able to identify them, you know, joyous and not so criminal. So, yeah. <laughs> well, criminal. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's, now that's good right there. So, so you wanted the representation of children who were on the autism spectrum to be able to look at themselves, read books about themselves, children of mm-hmm. children of color, black children, and say, I these are this is this is me. I can identify with that. I find myself right. doing that. And right. and in a way for parents that it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't clinical and it wasn't criminal. It was right. it yeah. was being a person. We, we don't have anything got we don't have anything got there, Danny, that 
that looks like that. Um, there's no, I mean, if any case study that see that deals with African Americans, where it's children with autism who are already on the prison, the preschool, the prison pipeline, they're already been put out of school. Classroom. And so what I was hoping, the uh, the Adventures of Meeting Lee is it's a children's book. But if you read the book, it's also a resource for parents. Um, and the book provides a journal. Because what I realized too, Danny, was when I would take her to therapy, I will be the only black mother in there. Hmm. When I um, would take her to different programs, different doctor's offices, my husband, I would be the only black faces in the room. And I can remember telling him, it has to be other without it. It has to be, gotta be. But there was no one, no one she could identify with, no one who looked like her in the place. And so what I realized when I started talking to other black mothers and other black fathers, they would be shocked that I got her everything that I was able to get her. And look at because I was work, I worked for the government. Everybody is not, everybody didn't have that advantage. So. It's important for me to put it out there. Don't hold on to any knowledge that I have. Whatever I learn, I pass it on because I want to educate parents so that we can because it's so important to the academics and their behavior. They get it early. A lot of those things that we we find in third and fourth grade that's a problem. They won't be able. So yeah, don't let me get on my my um <laughs> my way. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, um, well, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that I, 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 you, you mentioned it, and I saw that same research out there that that um, autism can be diagnosed as early as two years old, right? And there are certain indicators. So I was, I was on your website, right, and I, and I read one of the blogs that you posted, um, looking at certain like developmental indicators to see where a child is and if they're not hitting certain benchmarks that can be an early indicator that 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 child may be on the spectrum but for us like you said for for black and brown children or or or, uh children of color oftentimes they don't get diagnosed until way later and like you said those early interventions are so important is that and and i want i want to make sure we're talking about your book but i also want to talk about this important issue as well is that is that just access to health care? Is that not knowing the indicators? Is that not having a a primary care pediatrician? Like what what are some of those things that contribute to that? I mean, and you have a clinical background, so you know, what are some of the things you saw in your research? I'm gonna I'll call you just because I wanna say it's a little bit of everything. Okay. Because what I found out um in my journey as a parent now. As long as I was on the other other side of the table as a provider of the service, you know, I saw how they dealt with me. It was in a professional manner. But when you go in there, you're, I'm going to start with the pediatrician. And if any mother, father, grandmother, aunt, cousin, if you're listening to this, if you have a pediatrician who will not listen to your needs, you need to get rid of them. Because a lot of our children, and we, we already know it's disparity, and they don't listen to black people about their, you know, the things that we go through. They don't listen. You know, for some reason, they think you have a high tolerance. And you have a lot of mothers who say, you know, my child is two, they're three, they're not talking. Oh, they'll grow out of it. 
that's abnormal behavior. You know, most kids, if they're not talking, they're they're seeing they're they're you know they're trying to put words together. But if you're at two or three and you haven't gotten that, and you they're not going to be willing to do a referral because in the state of Alabama, you need a referral to do everything. If they won't work with you, get rid of them. Um, not just that, what they do. I could even miss the Russell, which is really unfortunate. Then is that they dangle a check in front of us. Hmm. Oh, you know, we can put them on stability. And for a lot of us, you know, because we don't know the services, we don't know to use that money to better the child, so we income. And so, if I don't get, if I don't correct the situation, I always get this resource. That's a um, another thing too that hurts us is not being aware of the signs. You know, well, we'll say uh, they're not talking, they're not potty trained, they're not doing this, and you know, we want to say, well, they just a little slow, or we try to discipline to them, or you know, whoop them so they get it. It didn't work like, that. and sometimes for me, when it when it came to my um, daughter. She was saying anything. Um, even now, if she hit a song one or two times, she can she knows the word. But she wasn't putting sentences together. And I remember telling my husband, I said, something is not right. But it took him a minute to get there. But while he was trying to arrive, I was already researching because as a mother, I was like, Yeah, that's because my son was doing this. But then, you know, not to be compared, but I'm saying like she's at this age, something should something should have already started. But I had a pediatrician who fought with me. Who fought for hmm. and that made the difference. That made the difference. I was able to deal with things, and not just that, uh, Danny. The places that can really help your children are nowhere in our community. Hmm. And if you don't have proper transportation, you can't get. Because here in Birmingham, we don't. You know, our bus system is not what it once was. I mean, you if you can't drive, you can't get the infinite get to the pictures and you can't get to the spring valley you won't get any help you won't get any help so like i said it's a little bit of everything that if it's, it's, it's fighting that's keeping us in a place where we can't help our kids and so like i said as a provider they teach us what to tell you and as a parent i was glad i was a provider because god was preparing me for a time such as this because I got to be a, I got to, I had before I, I guess I heard them. So, you know, I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. So, yeah. It's a yeah. thing. Parents, you got to be, you got to get rid of people. Don't be afraid to walk away from them. Because they, they're your first, your first defense to get your child to help they need. If they won't help you, I'm not behind. Unfortunately. So- so I want to talk a little bit more about that, um, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that, um, about where can parents find those resources and know and oh, find the community definitely. where they can get connected. So actually, let's go ahead and talk about that, and then, and then we'll come back and, um, and, and talk a little bit more about you know, removing and how, how you sought to remove that stigma um, from around autism in like the African-American black community. And so, um, so, but, but talk a little bit about where did you find community 
Um, I know you said you had a strong pediatrician that was an advocate for you, but where can where can a family if they're they've just gotten that diagnosis, they're not sure what to do next, what would you say to them? The first thing that you should do once you get that diagnosis, I'm, and I'm gonna I wanna come from a place of transparency, you need to go ahead and grieve the life you thought you were gonna have. Hmm. And that's important that I say that. Because as a parent, when your child is born, you create this life that you have. And when you get this diagnosis, it's like, you know, you get this ton of bricks dropped on you. So parents, my first advice, my first resource is something that's greater than yourself. And for me, that's God. I don't know who I, you know, who they go to, but I had to grieve the life that I thought I was going to have because dealing with a child with any kind of disability, any kind of illness, any kind of physical disability, it's a lifetime to me. And once that then I got, I was able to put my feet on solid ground, hit the ground running. Um, first, educate yourself. You are the first resources. You know if something is abnormal. You know if something is not right. Follow your interest. Then go to the Department of Mental Health and go to Child Care Week. Look for that early intervention. Early intervention is free to all children from birth to the ages of three. Right? And that and that, that that's due to them. That's due to them. Um, they will provide you a test. They will provide you with daycare. Um, they can offer your children the services that they need. My situation when when my daughter first got back. I both worked 40 plus hours a week. And my grandmother was still alive. So when I went to early intervention, they, I did early intervention in the home because we didn't qualify because of finance. They said we made too much money. But my grandmother would inquire about you see the daycare somewhere she could go. And I case worker, oh no, there's no daycare. Well, I had a co worker who had a son with that wrong. And I asked her, I said, where did you see your baby? They asked like a teacher. I mean, it's just amazing. She said, the Bell Center. Hmm, yeah. There's an early intervention daycare located in Homewood. It's amazing. It's amazing. And if you, I passed that street a million times and I never saw it. Hidden Jewel. Um, Friend of the United Methodist Church has a program called A Special Place. It takes them from the Bell Center into um, kindergarten. Amazing. You know, and you have to look, and they are expensive, so it will be a sacrifice made because the government doesn't pay for that. Right. You can, um, you can look for kick funds. You can do all those things because trust me, it's worth that. I'm a living testimony. Sacrifice that it takes to get your child and the things that they need. But you must start it early. And eventually, we must hold our government accountable to help our babies get where they Because trust me, they're using them. They're getting in home occupational, in home uh, speech therapy, in home or the um, site ADA therapy. They're they're getting it. We don't know anything about it, but we we and we can't we have to be on top of them about we can't take no for an answer. My mother was eighty five years old, and I'm telling you, she worried that case manager to death until <laughs> we got results. So we got results. Um, my next resource was I have a very supportive village. And everybody's not fortunate enough. I do understand that. But when I told my baby's the only person in our family that we know of who has um, asked, 
I'm sure there's some people who slipped through the cracks, but when I told everybody what we were up against, everybody got on board. My daughter, she is everybody's mission. She's everybody's responsibility. She is, she's not just here in my responsibility. She's all our responsibility. And I'm telling you, my family takes that very, very So, you know, get you a good support system. But you hold the government accountable. They have Medicaid waivers that are in place to take care of our children. Who, uh, once they get out of early intervention, they get on those waves and take care of them through the duration of their life. Children don't speak those things. They're out there. So, like I said, my first step, you grieve that. Don't have you on two days of, you know, of crying. Get ready to be busy. Call early intervention and you demand some help. You demand some help because it's out there. They won't, they don't say, oh no, we don't have this, we don't have the funds. Yes, they do. It's available. I work for the government. Yes, they do. It's there. But if we don't say anything about it, they won't do anything. They even have options. They will send your child with a disability to college for free. It's out there. It trust me. I'm preparing for the day. I mean, she, she's standing. But I'm preparing for college. And I don't pay for it. That's just out there. I pay my tax. Not my money. That's why I say parents are out there. The resources are available. You have, not, not just the Bell Center, Trinity, United, uh, Trinity, you have um, Hands, Hands, which is a part of, it used to be UCT. They are available. You have Mitchell's Place, which is out, um, of course, they're, they're hiding, but they're there. And if you um, reach out to me, I will give you all of their locations <laughs> so that you can get all the help you need. And you can tell them Mary and Brian. I'm sure they're aware. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's great. So for all of my Birmingham listeners, y'all, look, if if you if you know anyone that are in need of these services, any family, anybody who you're in their village, or maybe this applies to you, right? Take advantage. Let them know about these resources. Let them know about about Mary. Um, but if you're if you're not in Birmingham, because we have listeners. We have listeners all yeah. over. Um, then I want you yeah, to, to statewide. It's statewide. Mm. It's, it's it's a federal. It's it's statewide that's mandated through the federal government. And if you call your local region, which is the Birmingham, we're the region, region five. If you call your local region, they should be able to give you everything that can help. Mm. If they don't, then you call our commissioner and you report them. And then you see how fast things work out for you. We will, we will. Yeah. Hey, we, yeah. And if anybody from in the state is there out there, they're not as big as Jefferson County, but each county has something. Yeah. Hmm. Each county That's has great. Something. That's great. That's great to know and, and making sure that people are armed with those resources. So talking about that, you know, I know that, I know that there has been a, a lot of misunderstanding around autism. Um, and there is, it's been stigmatized a lot. And so have, and so now going back and writing this book and wanting to tell your story, wanting to tell your daughter's story, wanting to, to put something in the hands of families that they have, that they could engage and learn more together as a family, like you said, that wasn't clinical and wasn't criminal. Um, how, how have you seen that play out and play out? And really what was your hopes? Like what? Like when you wrote, when you sat down, probably late at night, because 
You got your family and you're taking care of your children and you just had a newborn. Congratulations. <laughs> um, <laughs> congrats on the new baby. And you're doing this and you you set your heart. Tell me about your passion. Mm. What what really I mean, I, I know what inspired you. right? I can hear that. But, but just tell me like when you said, man, I really need to write this. What was going on in Mary? What were you wanting to put out into the world? What was your hope? Well, I have to give, I, I can't take credit for that. I have to say that at the time, my five-year-old son got me together. Mm. Like I said, when Olivia first got diagnosed, she was two years old. So we were coming up on maybe a year. And everybody was kind of free her with kit gloves, but brand. Mm. And, you know, um, one day, America did, they were playing PJ Mack. They both mm-hmm. were, um, she was our lid and he was cat boy. <laughs> and they were just riding around that room and, you know, and I was like, Frank, don't be too loud. Your sister don't like Noah, don't like loud sound. And he looked at me and he said, I said, you know, he, he said, your sister is autistic. He said, no, she's not. She's Olivia. Mm. And Mr. Bristol. I get emotional hmm. because it was like a bunch of ice water. It was like, am I going to really allow this to define my child for the rest of her life? A five-year-old, clearly, that she was more than that. Hmm. And so I came out, I took a picture of them. <clears throat> if you look on the cover of the book, they're in serial costumes now. Red is mine. And Olivia's seven now. But they love a superhero costume. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you go in his room, you know, like, and I always tell him he's the hero of uh, this house because he bought some realness. Hmm. I mean, it was like, he never allowed it to defend. Like, when she didn't really want to walk, I remember he would take stuff from her and move it across the room to force hmm. her to walk up. When she didn't want to eat certain things, he knew that. She likes to, you know, encourage her to try new things. Even to the day, that's their relationship. That's the dynamic. Um, they're learning how to swim. And, you know, he's diving. And he told me, he was like, listen, I'm going to leave you in this water. You know, that's <laughs> that. And so and he forces her. He forces her to her greatness. And thank God for him because he does what we, either not the babes, he does what we couldn't do. Hmm. So uh, I took a picture that told my sister. And I told my husband, I said, I'm going to write a book. Because all I had at that time, and then I'm not going to call you Mr. <laughs> time then was what they told me she was supposed to be like. Mm. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I was looking at um, residential homes for my, my three-year-old. I had called to after her five because I didn't think college was in our was in our grasp. And so everything that I saw when it dealt with little black boys and little black girls was behavior, them needing medication, them being a behavior problem. I, I mean I almost had anxiety worrying about kindergarten. I'm like, you know, where they put her out. In that moment, I had to make a decision as her mother. Was I going to let this define her or was I going to 
you're going to rewrite the definition. And that's what this book is, this, that's what I hope for this book to do, to rewrite the definition, especially when it comes to black children, children of color with autism. Because when you look and you're searching as a parent who is desperate for answers, what you find will make you depressed. What you find will, will almost bury your child before it's time. Because there's nothing I see. And you and you and I see more now since I've written this book and people have reached out to me. I found more joy now than I have in all the years I was going to work. I mean, and for my husband and my family, this is going to year five of us dealing with or not dealing with this, but living this autistic, I call this autistic journey. And now I'm finally at a place where I see sunrise and not constant darkness. So I decided if I couldn't find none, I was going to create it. Because I did not want her to identify herself with like I said, a five-year-old got me together. She was like, no, no, no. She was Olivia. And that's who, before the autism diagnosis, that's who she was. The sky was her limit. And we allowed that title. And with, and with writing this book, Mr. Brister, saying I'm so sorry. It has been so funny. Yeah. It has allowed me to quit my frustrations, my disappointments. And I know it sounds so ugly for a mother to say they had to go eat that life. I had to. But it has been free for me to, to, to expose that it is not a different. And when I say it's been free, because that girl has been so much, she has been such joy. She's been such joy. She's a joy. And until we start looking at her as joyous, we was grieving. But now we don't grieve no more because we who constantly bring life into this house. Because she don't see things like us. She don't miss words. She straight <laughs> to the point. <laughs> like, you don't know if you did today? And you go by. She told she said, you don't go on your thing with that ponytail. I said, I have a new one. <laughs> 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 so she's a joy. She's an easy no, but she's a joy. And that's what I want this book to do with parents. You got to, once you agree, you got to get up. Mm. I have some joy again. And I hope my book can bring some joy to somebody. Because we're joyous over here. Mm. Yo, that's, that, that's probably a good, I, I don't even know what to say after that. This is a podcast. <laughs> if you were in person, I'd just be sitting at you like speechless because, it, you know, I, I, I really appreciate your honesty. Um, and your authenticity, um, because sometimes there's an expectation when, when, when we do something or we have we have very challenging news and we have a difficult situation that is that is different than what we expected, right? Yes, and then we go out and mm-hmm. we create something. Then people look at us and, and like we're heroes, like we're we're invincible. Like oh man, look at you! You're 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 like exceptional that you were able to push past that and that you were very, I appreciate your honesty. It's like, I had to grieve. I had to mourn the life that I thought we would have, but you know, I, I hit the ground running and then you had your heart and your eyes open enough 
to where a five-year-old could speak some truth to you. You're like, yo, I'm wow. Um, and that you could find joy and purpose. Um, I think we all like, that's something that we all need to hear. Um, and you all, and so I really encourage you to, to get these books. Um, and whether you have a child with autism or not, I think you should purchase these books for your family and read them together as a family. They are fun. They're adventurous that they really are adventurous. Um, and, and you're, you get exposed to stories and characters, um, that outside of really, um, these books you may not. Um, and so Mary, thank you so much for coming on my black book journal. I, I want to ask you two questions you before we wrap me. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you for coming. Um, so first, first I want to ask you, um, so we have a saying on my black book journal is, um, is that reading brings me joy. Um, and what are some books that have brought you joy or been really formative for you throughout your journey? Um, I know we talked about this before, and I told you I am an avid reader. Like, um, I, like I said, I put two candles for passion um, in a book club called Fiction, and we, we probably do a year about 70 books a year. That's, just, that's no stress. Like, we are some readers. But I can remember uh, when I was younger, my dad was a huge reader like myself, and he, he was the kind of man who would take cable away for the summer. And, um, I can remember the with my dad and he tell he would come in the room, he'd tell me and myself, he'll say, Look, here it is, but I want you to read it. And I want a synopsis by the time I get off work. I'm like, you want to read a book? <laughs> and one of the first books, and I know we were children, but the one of the first books that ever like just resonated in my soul about Terry McNeil. Because it taught me about the sacrifice of a parent. Because sometimes as children, we don't recognize what our parents forego to make sure that we have. And and Chairman Miller was so powerful in showing sacrifice that her mother made the human side because we put our parents on this pedestal. It, it was just so real. Um, also, you know, oh, Lord, it's so, it's so many, it's so, so many. Uh, of course, you know, you got your eyes are watching God. You got, you have uh, so many. I, I, I can't even, uh, I know why the cage versus. I, I have books. My dad's gone on now, and I have so many books that I've read now since he's been passed. Like my dad had a called to be a slave. And it was the the account of all of the last living slaves. Hmm. And they, they did this recording, and it turned into a book. And so it's, I just have so, I have so many, the blue is eyes by Tony Morris. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I love reading and reading loves me. It allows me to go to places that I've never gone. It allows me an escape. And I, and I would truly say when, especially in those dark times where the first guy diagnosed, reading was my, was my hay, was my safe place because I didn't have to be here. Able to read and um, I mean, I, I mean, in my my book club, fiction, we're seven wonderful black women, but we do read other people, other books. If you ever get a chance, read um, pages of, pages of a Tennessee Journal. It's just different authors with writing, reading beautiful books. I do like my the coldest December. <laughs> 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 I do like those too, but 
I had so many books that I that um that I just love that I I feel like they are the essence to my soul. They really are. So I can't put it, but those are the books that I, especially Mama. And um because it's it's just exposed. It made me look at my parents different. It made me appreciate of them at a at a young age. We weren't reading goosebumps. We was my daddy was making us read real stuff. We was reading the autobiography of Mick, Black Wall Street, and we was nine to ten years old. So you know we didn't get to read the goosebumps and the the fudge and all that Judy Bloom like everybody else. So you know we was <laughs> we didn't make sure we was in life. That he tried it. My dad tried his best and you know make us informed of, of who we were as people. That's awesome. You know, I, I, I'm going to let my daughter listen to this podcast because I have her reading some stuff and, and she like, what, what is this? Well, give, give me something else. But I, I let her, I let her balance it out. Right. Like we read, um, we read this summer, my life is an ice cream sandwich, which is based in the 1980s, um, about okay. a girl who goes from her mom, mom's house in, um, in Huntsville, Alabama to, to Harlem in New York City. And so it talks about the dynamics, the different dynamics from moving from the South to the to the North and, and Harlem being kind of that Mecca, uh, that black Mecca uh for, wow. for for people and how the neighborhood and communities change. And so anyway, we we like stories like that. Um we like reading, but mm. she also likes her, you know, her her dog man and all this other stuff. <laughs> um but so yeah, also I was able to kind of get my own library card. Then I was able to go and read my I'm, I'm old babysitter's club and all that stuff. But um, there you go. My my dad was trying to he was trying to leave a mark. He was trying to give us a heritage, and I can appreciate that. Um, she won't see it. Tell you later because when I got older, I already knew who I was because I was able to see because of where I grew up. Those books will allow me to see black people that I never saw before. Mm, you know, yeah. you know, I, I've seen pharaohs, I've seen African kings because I've read about. Them. Mm. You know, I saw black doctors before I saw black doctors because I read about. Them. So, mm. like I said, reading is life. Black book fan reading is life. It is <laughs> wonderful. I love wonderful. it. I love it. All right. So, <laughs> how can people follow you? Where can they order the book? If they want to get in touch okay. with you, like where do they go? What do they do? Uh, well, I'm on all social media platforms other than TikTok. I'm not. My little cousin's on TikTok. <laughs> but you can be um, to say Twitter. Um, at the adventure, you can order the book com, and we do coupons so you can use a promo code to get your book for a discount um what else and if you need if you if it's anybody who has family members who you just want to read questions please inbox me i i have done so much just following up with people it, it it allows me to purge. I've tried with people. I've talked to people. I've I've tried to give people a map, the map that I took. And I mean, sometimes my map that works 
and we've had three or two. But please reach out to me on all those platforms, and we do a topic Tuesday, Tuesday where we talk about, you know, autism, what to look for, things that we may overlook. Um, we're we're going to start a um, Spotlight Wednesday, where we're spotlight different resources here in Jersey State. So we're, we're doing some things. We're still new to this. Um, we're, we're learning. And like I said, I'm not familiar. I don't have a cover. So I did everything. Myself, my hood, not my, by myself, but with us and my sister um, and my family. They helped me to make this dream possible. Um, my daughter and my son, they were so a part of the process because it's about them. And so I wanted them to be a part because nothing about me without me. That's a big, a big term they use um, the community. So I wanted it to be about them and I didn't want to make any without them. So anything you see little cartoon ads, they just know they had those little hands on them. So like I said, you can reach out to us Adventures of Being Elite on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you want to order the book, you go to www.beingelite.com and hey, we're, we're and please reach out if you have questions if anything I can do to help somebody. Please, and if you think you can help me get some else for a living, Please reach out to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm growing and I'm learning. I'm still learning. So, hmm. We just said we got a long way to go. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, Mary, thank you so much for coming on my Black Book Journal. Mary, thank you thank so you much for, for sharing. <laughs> thank you for sharing your experience <laughs> with us and with so many people. Like that means that means a lot. That means a lot. I appreciate. Um, it. I appreciate you allowing me to talk about it i mean you know i i really really do because i know a lot of things that we talk about in our community when it comes to autism and i appreciate you allowing me as my grammy said, place on the couch to talk about it so i do appreciate it there you go well, I'm, I'm all for i'm all for our own couches and our own tables right we need to we yeah. need to build spaces and create spaces that make sure we center conversations that need to be have around important topics. Um, and so this is my black book journal exists um, so that we can tell black stories around life, love and leadership. Um, and this, we have to have those conversations because they're not being, they're not happening enough in certain places. And so we created this so that we could have those conversations. And I think this is amazing. I think it's amazing for us to even get on here and to be able to talk about black literature. I mean, it's, it's so much that, and um, it, it means a light shine on it. I mean, so much untapped talent. It is. I mean, the church member, she just wrote a book about words of affirmation for little black boys and little black girls. Wonderful book. It's called Who's to Say? And I know I'm doing a shameless plug, but I just want to throw her. You know, I throw did, uh, her out there because it's a powerful book. And like I say, we need to shine light. It's a lot of us who are. We're trying to change some generate. Who's trying to break some generational curse? Mm, I'm glad that you are. Hey, be a source. <laughs> you know you're a beacon of light anyway. So we just continue to be the source. Hey, we, we just trying to let our light shine. Right, hey. <laughs> well, sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Mary. Y'all, that you is all for. Me. Absolutely, that is all for today's episode. We will catch y'all later.